Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, Saving Babies and Souls, and Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to donate. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back for another week, another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We're running full bore today. We got Neil, Roger, John, myself, Bob. Guys, how are you? How was Thanksgiving? Great. Damn yeah. awesome. Plenty of food. Right. Yeah, everybody ate too much, right? Okay, that's what Thanksgiving's supposed to be. Absolutely. So, uh, we got a few things to talk about. We're going to discuss a little bit of the Respect for Marriage Act. It makes my eye twitch even using terminology like that. It's Disrespect for Marriage Act. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, We'll probably spend more on it next week when we wait and see what happens in the House. We're going to talk a lot about Donald Trump today. What do we do with Donald Trump? What do Trump supporters do with Donald Trump? Do we throw him under the bus? Do we dismiss him? Do we, you know... eh, How do we handle Trump going forward toward 2024? Before we get into all of this, though, curious, any of you guys watched the the World Cup yesterday? I'm not into soccer. I totally admit, for me, I can't see myself spending an hour and a half watching a bunch of people running around in something that if you're lucky, the score is going to be one to zero. Maybe there's one time you get to hear score, but other than that, uh, I just, I don't get it, but... You know, yesterday we uh, we kind of had it on. We were going in and out of the of the programming during my show. It was on during that time, and we actually, when it was coming down to the end of the match, and it looked like Ohio, uh, looked like um, USA was going to win, we actually played those last thirty seconds of the of the game on my show. And so it's like, all right. So briefly, I was a soccer fan, but other than that, I don't know. Anybody get into this at all? Yeah, big no. time. It's no, oh, you, really? Roger, so you do. No kidding. Yeah, world's most popular sport. I mean, my kids all played it growing up. I did a lot of coaching and mostly refereeing. And if you've never been on the pitch in the middle of a really well-played match, then obviously I can see why it's boring. At the same time, people who will sit in the snow and watch an NFL game go 10-7 to 7 and say, wow, what a defensive struggle. It's like, well, yeah, because somebody did a place kick when the ball was snapped and they had 11 guys blocking and he could kick it through the uprights. And uh-huh. it's really tough to get it through that 8x8, eight eight, you know, especially with the keeper. And you never know what that round ball is going to do. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful sport. It's one that's fun to play. I understand why a lot of Americans don't get it because the scores aren't 46 to 35. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when you look at just the artistry and everything that goes into it, it's fascinating. And, uh, and, and when someone does score, yeah, you really do get excited because it doesn't happen that often. So right. I'm all in, and I'm really glad the guys are through to the round. Of all right. Well, now, I do have to say this. Of every kind of sport that's out there, I've got to imagine that soccer is the most athletically taxing because, oh, my goodness, these people are pretty much running nonstop in an open field. I just – I've tried to watch it, Roger, and I'm like – uh, I, I, you're right. You have to really get into the defensive nature of it. You have to really appreciate the defensive battle that you have stopping other people. I, uh, I don't want to watch a football game that's the the the, the final is going to be two to two. You know, four safeties <laughs> is pretty much the only yeah. scoring that took place. Yeah, but seventeen fourteen is super exciting in the NFL, right? Well, I mean, but okay, but I wouldn't sit in the stands in the snow watching it, but I'll sit at home in the comfort of my house with the fireplace True. going on and I'll watch that Very game good. and I'll enjoy it. But I, there's just a sameness to me that happens with soccer. If you any any sixty seconds of soccer 
is pretty much the same as the other 44 minutes of soccer, it seems to me. But I know I'm probably being unfair. Well, so. to, your, to your point, though, earlier about the athletic uh, prowess that you need to actually engage. I mean, it's the only sport where you, uh, they have shin guards, which are you know negligible. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing that, that protects you from injury. And also, a typical midfielder in a level match like this, like World Cup or English Premier League, something like that, will run about seven miles during the course of a match. Wow. And uh, that seven miles, not around the track at seven miles not always moving forward you're going all over the place and sometimes it's a dead sprint and sometimes it's a backward jog so i mean there really is a lot more to it but like i said i mean i get it if you haven't played it or haven't been around it a lot i mean for me it was all foreign i became a referee to learn how to play the game because my kids were playing and i was yelling at the wrong things you know mm-hmm. so, right my fan of the rule book had said here they need refs go ahead and do it and it's a ton of fun it really is it can get really intense um so I'm, I'm I'm glad the U.S. is doing well, especially the men's national team, because the women seem to be getting all the highlights and all the headlines. Yeah, right. so right. All right. Well, game. and I do have to admit, the United States, although I'm all for Team USA, it is kind of weird that here in the United States we we don't call it football. What we do is we we call football a game that. 99% of the time is spent making contact with your hands, and we call yeah. it football. You know, it's like soccer being called headball, you know, around the rest of the world. That wouldn't make sense because the overwhelming majority. So, I, you know, I, I get that. John, what about you? I mean, you into this at all? Not a, no. I, I learned more from listening to Roger in those last five <laughs> minutes than I've learned in my whole life. Yeah, you, and, good. you and me both. Yeah, You're exactly. welcome. <laughs> not a soccer guy. I'm, a, I'm an American football guy. I'm not a soccer guy. There you go. What about you, Neil? Anything at all? Uh, any uh, radar screen for you at all? No, I mean, I I will turn turn it on. If I see it during a World Cup, I'll, I'll stop and watch. I appreciate some of the artistry Roger was talking about. I mean, the, the, the things these guys can do with their feet is unbelievable. I, I love the drama of a shootout at the end of a game, if that happens to, to be the case. And, you know, kudos to the United States for beating Iran one to nothing. But uh, generally not somebody that gets into that kind of stuff. However, I was very much intrigued by the Buffalo Bills 28-25 win over the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day. That's really I thought more you my might thing. be. Yeah. I thought you might be. Go Bills. Go Bills. Hey, look, I'm surprised that you're still recovering after Scott Norwood's wide right from way back when. Okay. You know, the, it still hurts, and I'm still in counseling, bro. You had to go there? Really? <laughs> hey, look, it's a, I just know here in Detroit, it's a Thanksgiving tradition. We all sit around, we watch the Lions lose. And whoever they lose to, it's like, you know, okay. But it is a Thanksgiving tradition. And so the tradition was... uh, uh, All right, then. So we're pretty much mostly in agreement. 75% of us are right on soccer. And then 25% of us... Roger's odd man out. And then there's Roger, the the anti-American globalist pagan who is all about the the worldly soccer. Who lives way over there on the left side of the country. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the California guy, okay, is the globalist here. Who who who'd have who'd thought? imagine? All right. Well, anyway, which by the way, I do have to say one more thing on the uh, uh, on the soccer thing. Iran and Qatar uh far be it for me to ever want to take the side of Iran or Qatar about anything, but in all fairness, I thought the US men's soccer team 
I thought it was, number one, inappropriate for them to originally alter the Team USA logo to change the red stripes of the U.S. flag to rainbow stripes. Agreed. That was inappropriate Agreed. as kind of a thumb in your nose to Qatar. Hey, you know, which Look, I don't agree with Qatar's policies on homosexuality. If you're caught being gay in Qatar, you are not only beaten and imprisoned, you can be executed. So obviously we all disagree with that, but this is their culture. And a Qatari government official came out and said, look, if you're coming here to watch the game, don't bring your rainbow flags. Don't do stuff like that because you're here to watch a sport, not to uh, not to basically make social statements, you know, and cultural statements. Which, by the way, is what he's sports right. is supposed to be. I'll give, him a, I'll give him some credit there, Bob. So I think he's right. And then I also have to say, I, I, I think Iran had a legitimate gripe against the U.S. men's soccer team for on their own social media altering the flag of Iran to remove the center symbol of the curves and the sword which in Arabic basically says there is no God but God. They're talking about Allah. Obviously we disagree with that. That's wrong. But this is Iran's flag. You don't change their flag to make your own statement even if it's we're sticking up for the women so we're going to alter your flag. We would gripe if another country alter the United States flag to make their own statement, even if their statement was accurate, uh, to make their own statement against the United States. It's like, leave our flag alone. And so I... I kind of feel and like Bob, we it's why we bounds. don't have the respect at times worldwide we should have because we do stupid things like that. No, I'm with you. I get it. So, uh, all right. Well, enough about world. I just thought I'd th- uh, throw that out there for kicks. Okay. No, no, really quick, too. Well, you yeah. guys probably do know this, and Roger, you would know this. I believe, Roger, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this not the most expensive World Cup ever in regards to attendance, stadium, the build, the whole nine yards? Isn't this the most extravagant World Cup ever? To my knowledge, yes. And they'll be lucky if they can recoup it. It's kind of like the Olympic Games. You know, you do something like this because this is a spectacle. One out of every three people on planet Earth is going to watch some part of the World Cup. So, I mean, it, it, you, right. you want to have a good showing. And, you know, this is the kind of thing, too, where we think about China and the Olympics getting rid of all the, you know, the propaganda and everything. They, they, they will put a lot of money into this, and whether they recoup it remains to be seen. I think Qatar is maybe in a better shape than other countries to possibly do so. But this, this World Cup seems to be getting a lot of attention right now, which is actually good for them. So we'll have to see. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's interesting how the international community responds to things like that, but so far, so good. All right. Well, uh, we're going to move to talk a little bit about the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, and then we're going to do a deep dive into all things Donald Trump. That's coming up as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. When you listen to this podcast, you always hear us talking about preborn and how important it is that we continue to fight to save the lives of unborn babies. And that's what Preborn does, everybody. Remember, Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all around the country, and they show ultrasound images of unborn babies to those moms. And you know, this is the first time these moms have ever seen a picture of their baby. Statistically, if a pregnant woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, she will choose life 83% of the time. So that's why it's so important for us to get these ultrasound images in front of these moms' eyes. But it takes money to do this. And that's where preborn comes in. That's where all of us come in. It takes $28 on average to stop one abortion. So $280 will save 10 babies' lives. I'm asking everybody listening to us right now, if you have not donated to preborn already, will you do that right now? 
will you give $280 to save 10 babies' lives? And if you can do $2,800, save 100 babies' lives. And by the way, one ultrasound machine will save thousands and thousands of babies' lives, and that's $15,000. So maybe you're looking for a nice tax write-off for your business. Will you do a $15,000 donation and buy an ultrasound machine? That'll be your business's legacy. It's a nice tax write-off, too. For everybody else, $2,800, 100 babies' lives, $280, 10 babies' lives. What do you say? Will you do this right now? It's this simple, folks. Just go online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. And you'll see preborn. Click on the preborn tab. You can give right there. And 100%, every dime you give goes to fund ultrasounds. Nothing for overhead. If you want to give over the phone, they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention the National Crawford Roundtable when you call, 833-850-BABY. We appreciate you folks doing this as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. All right, we move from the World Cup now to the Respect for Marriage Act. It makes my eye twitch even using the word respect for marriage. This is really the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Uh, It's intended to uh, codify the the Obergefell decision of 2015, which says all 50 states have to be gay marriage states. Well, theoretically, the Supreme Court could overturn Obergefell, in which case you'd have traditional marriage states that would revert back to their laws. Well, this Respect for Marriage Act pretty much tells the Supreme Court, don't even waste your time because now this is something that passed Congress and uh, it's been legislated. The problem is this. The, The religious freedom part of this is the really scary part of this. Now, you have uh, Susan Collins, a Republican rhino, and a Democrat who came together with their own uh, supposed uh, amendment that protects religious freedom. But if you read their amendment, it doesn't go nearly far enough. It leaves Christian business owners as well as Christian-run ministries that don't have a primary purpose of a religious organization, but that's the flavor of who this business is. It leaves them unprotected. So it does seem to me that the the Senate should have adopted Mike Lee's amendment to this, which would have given very clear religious protection. They did not. So now it goes to the House. we got to wait and see what happens with this next week. We'll probably be talking about it in more detail once it finally clears through the House. But uh, I'd love to get, to, first of all, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Neil, some of your thoughts on the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which is really just codifying, it's it's etching in stone gay marriage in all 50 states in this country, and it weakens religious exemption freedoms because it completely repeals the Defense of Marriage Act, which, by the way, was signed by Bill Clinton. Don't tell me today's Democratic Party is the same Democratic Party of even 20 years ago. Yeah, it, I mean, for everything you described, it's troublesome. It's of great concern. What it, what it looks like in its final state is going to make a difference. And so obviously I think we still have time to make a difference on this. People ought to be in prayer for sure and talking to their elected officials, senators, and even, you know, congressmen and women. Uh, But the reality is uh, it's another example. I just want to say this. It's another example of the left controlling the language. You know, it goes back to the 1970s when they, they 
coined the phrase pro-choice. It just sounded so right. I mean, right? Mm. we're all about choice. Um, in New York, we have the Women's Reproductive Health Act. Really, has nothing huh. to do with reproduction. It has to do with right. stopping the birth of babies. And then here you got the Defense of Marriage Act. You know, it sounds like, yeah, we're all about defending marriage. Well, wait a minute. You've completely redefined what marriage is, and that's the troublesome part. But I think going beyond that... Well, respect. I, want, I just want to respect for Marriage Act. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Right, right. Uh, my bad. But, um, but you know, going beyond that, it's the idea of, um, of really, I, I mean, it's a form of, um, of indoctrination to say, look, in the past, we may have differed about whether or not gays have a right to marry uh, that is perhaps a deb- debatable point and it should be hammered out you know in the in the legislature and in the courts and so forth like let's let's deal with this by talking about the issue let's have conversation about it but really something like this goes beyond that to say look we're going to punish you if you don't agree with us um, this is about you have to fall in line with everything we say about marriage and what marriage is supposed to be even if it's anti-biblical, even if it flies in the face of your understanding what, uh, of, of how God feels about things like this. And it's very troublesome because they're going to be coming after churches and Christian ministries, maybe even families, who knows. But anybody who disagrees ultimately is going to be in trouble if this thing gets passed in the end. Oh, I know. I know. Roger, let me ask you. Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line from the People's Republican of California. Uh, on my show today, I actually plan on reading... Uh, an, an op-ed report from Gregory Baylor, who's senior legal counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. It's entitled, What You Should Know About the Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, because I, I got to tell you, we're being sold a lie that there's religious protection here for people. They don't have to worry about it with this Religious Freedom Act. That's just, or, or, or with this uh, so-called Respect for Marriage Act. That's just not true. Yeah, it really isn't, and I'm not surprised at all that Alliance Defending Freedom is at the forefront of this. I mean, this is a group, and we are so privileged to partner with them. I mean, the world's largest legal organization committed to protecting marriage and family, parental rights, you know, uh, religious freedom and that type of thing. And and they do so. The thing that really just knocks me out about Alliance Defending Freedom is they do so in a nonprofit sense. I mean, wh- whether it's a case that there's going to be a case once this thing is eventually signed into law, where there's going to be a challenge to it, and ADF, I know, is going to be at the forefront of this, but they do it pro bono. And that's the thing that I think it, it, it's so awesome to see that the world's largest organization committing to defending this type of uh, challenge to our biblical God-given rights that are constitutionally protected um, is doing so uh, because of the donations that come in from listeners like here in the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And we're grateful to partner with them right now. Uh, If you give a gift of $100 to Alliance Defending Freedom, there's good news because there's a special dollar-for-dollar match for first-time giving. So your first gift, right? the grant goes up to a half a million dollars. So you can give $100, it becomes $200. You can give $500, it becomes $1,000. You can give $10,000, it becomes $20. Uh, we have a banner, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Just go right there and click the banner for Alliance Defending Freedom. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Or call 877-367-6461, and you can make a donation over the phone. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting Bob, as you were mentioning this this piece and this, uh, these are the types of things that people need to read because if we just read the headlines, I mean, when I looked at the 12 rhinos who signed this right. uh, uh, bill, I mean, I was stunned. Rob Portman has a gay daughter and he's on his way out of office. Mitt Romney supported gay same-sex quote-unquote marriage when he was the governor of Massachusetts. Now, Joni Ernst is one that kind of flipped me for a little bit, but then I realized, wait, she's from Iowa, which is way more progressive than we like to give it credit for. Number one. Number two, she actually went to the Stanton Middle School, then day school with my pastor for all these years. He's back in Stanton now, retired. But 
she's part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. They are one of the leading mm. proponents of same-sex quote-unquote marriage. As a matter of fact, they've written numerous op-eds and letters to Congress people encouraging its passage. So uh, as disappointing as it is to see someone like Joni Ernst, I'm not surprised because that's where a, a lot of this argument is, uh, is being won and lost, I think, for the churches. There are people who are claiming the name of Jesus Christ and saying, yeah, but we support this too. You know, I mean, I, I'm David French, and this is why I support same-sex marriage now all of a sudden. It's just, it's a crazy time to be alive, but the reality is there, when we share the good news about the good news with truth and gentleness and respect, I think we can win some hearts and minds. I think there's still time to turn this thing around. Yeah. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Your immediate thoughts on the Respect for Marriage Act and where it sits at this point, because like I say, it's still got to go to the House, get flushed out again there again, so we don't really know what the final product's going to be. We don't, and and, and I, I like what Neil and Roger both have already said, and the reality is, is there time to make some changes to this? Potentially. Um, we know that something's going to come of this. I would be very shocked to not see the House do some sort of a version, even if it's a modified version of what's there now. Uh, trust me, these guys are going to do something. They they look at this. I don't know why, because the amount of individuals in the country that are even considered, you know, LGBTQ plus, whatever all the you know acronyms are today, I can never keep track anymore. Right. Um, reality is three percent of the entire country identifies as that. And so, you know, we're, we're doing things, which I never ever understood. We're doing things to really uh, affect a minority of individuals, not the majority. And yet the polls will show you the people out there think that over half the country is LBGTQ plus whatever. I mean, it just shows you how much how much uh, misrepresentation there is from media on what this really does and who it affects. But at the end of the day, yeah, we're going to have something. What will it look like? How's it going to affect businesses, churches, ministries, and so on? You know, honestly, guys, time will tell. I have no idea at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, I would like to think that in the House that there'll be some Republicans who, who will recognize, oh, wait a minute here. Why in the world did we just let this slide through? Because the House passed it already, you recall. And then when it got to the Senate, that's where you had some Republicans in the Senate, like Mike Lee and others, going, wait a minute here. No, 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 no. We need to protect religious freedom. And so this, this thing's going to end up then going back to the House. And so I'd like to think that we're going to have some Republicans, some conservative Republicans in the House that say, uh, we, we learned our lesson from some of, the, some of our Senate uh, conservative colleagues that uh, we, need to, we need to clean this thing up. And that means making true religious freedom protections. Because we've got to remember, if you look at the, the amendment that Susan Collins and as Democrat, I can't remember what her name is now, uh, what they came up with, it says you have to be a a religious institution where where religion is your primary purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there are a lot of Christian ministries. Okay, that are out there that they are Christian based, absolutely. But you can't argue that that religion is their primary purpose per right. se. You know, and maybe some other things that are ancillary to that. Yeah, that, that that whole key phrase there, Bob, primary would 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 be exactly. a problem for a lot of it, for a lot of companies and ministries out there. Yes, well, it would be. I mean, Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham. Okay, uh, the primary function of Samaritan's right. Purse is feeding and, and caring for the poor and people that are struggling and disaster relief. And I mean, that's the pro- but 
clearly it's on the foundation of a faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So uh, would Samaritan's Purse be protected? Would Compassion International be protected? Not to mention just Christian business owners. You know, Jack Phillips, that poor guy out of Colorado, uh, the baker, and all of these kind of people – Forget it. You know, now they're done. Everybody in America basically becomes a Jack Phillips now. And you know, you certainly know this, John, that, that the, the LGBTQ plus E-I-E-I-O, you got to take a deep breath and, to, to get all the letters Correct. out now. Correct. Uh, they target they yes, target yes. specifically they Christian-owned they businesses, Bob. right? Yes. Because it's like, oh, we need to gain lesbian cake. Oh, where do we get? They're not looking for a no. rainbow flag-waving no. no. uh, deli or caterer or whatever. No, they're specifically looking no, for a Christian No, these are precise place. attacks. That's exactly right. That's Bob. right. I think that's one thing we need to remember as Christians, especially in just in general, the populace out there. These things that come up, these lawsuits that happen, these are, in fact, attacks. They are. They are. They are. Are guided. They are done on purpose. They are sought out. These are not done just by happenstance, Bob. Not That's so true. That is so true. All right. Well, like I say, we're we're, we're going to be talking more probably next week or maybe the week after about the defense, uh, the uh, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act. Once this thing gets completely finalized, the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable, we're going to be talking about all things Donald Trump and what do we do with him. Before we get into that, though, uh, we do want to remind everybody that abortion is still going strong in this country. Even though Roe v. Wade has been overturned, you see how the pro-abortion lobby, they've just, they've been so energized now, and they're trying to convince women to get abortions at record amounts. Well, you got pre-born out there who's stopping these abortions, and they're stopping them by showing ultrasound images of unborn babies to those expectant moms. And those moms choose life when they see an ultrasound image of a baby. And that's why we're asking you, will you fund ultrasound images of babies to these moms? It's this simple. $280 stops 10 abortions. That's statistically the average. $280, you save 10 babies' lives. So we're asking you to give right now $280 to preborn in a one-time gift. It's a tax write-off for you too. And you'll know that you're responsible for saving 10 babies' lives. Is that worth it to you? Here's all you got to do. Go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. You can give right there. You can also call 833-850-BABY and they answer the phones 24-7. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. But let's do this. Let's save some babies' lives. Just so you know, in the first half of 2022 alone, just the first half, there were just under 26,000 babies' lives saved and over 4,600 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. That's a great way to use your money, folks. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab. In the second half of this podcast. We're going to be talking about Donald Trump. Now, if you're not able to listen to the second half on your regular radio station, they may play the second half at a different time. So go to the website of your local radio station, check the program guide, and see when they play the second half of the podcast. Or you can just listen online by going to crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can watch video of these podcasts at myhopenow.com. 
crawfordmedia.com. Second half coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Okay, in this second half, we're going to talk Donald Trump. What do we do with Trump, especially those of us who have been very strong supporters of Donald Trump? Uh, he's in the news again. We have this this dinner that he had with uh, Kanye West, and Kanye West invites these three friends of his. One of them is this guy, Nick Fuentes, who is apparently, according to reports, this guy is an anti-Semite, Holocaust denier, a uh, a racist, a white nationalist or white supremacist or whatever. What in the world was he doing sitting in a dinner meeting with Donald Trump? So I thought what we would do is first, let's address the Trump Kanye West Mar-a-Lago Fuentes dinner. Let's deal with that first. And then we're going to expand the discussion to 2024. And is it time for Trump supporters to turn their backs on Donald Trump? So how do we look at this? Uh, First, let's go around the table and talk about the Mar-a-Lago dinner. And uh, John, maybe if we could start with you. Now, what I told my audience on the show is I think that Donald Trump was he was certainly wrong to to have this dinner, but I don't think it's fair to think that Trump would have known this guy was a white supremacist. I, whatever you think of Donald Trump, I don't think the guy's stupid enough to say, "Oh, this guy's a white supremacist and Holocaust denier." Sure, let's have dinner together. So he had logic tells me he had to not know who he was. However. It was still reckless and careless on his part because uh, Kanye West shows up, and there's a whole debate about whether he should even be having dinner with Kanye West now. Uh, But if West brings three people and they haven't been vetted, it seems like Trump's uh, assistance need to tell Kanye West, I'm sorry, we're not going to allow unvetted, uninvestigated people to come in here and dine with uh, Donald Trump, because we don't know anything about them and we can't take that chance. And you have to be more careful about stuff like that. I think t- uh, Trump was just incredibly reckless and uh, and he's got to tighten up the mesh and his filter and, and pay more attention to optics and not allow himself to be ambushed in this way and give ammunition. So I think it was reckless, but I don't think it's fair to accuse him of deliberately offering a seat at the table with a white supremacist. I don't think that's a fair accusation. No, I, I don't think he's, to your point, Bob, he's not that unintelligent to allow something like that, that to happen. Although, right. and this is something we could get into a little bit more on just what do we do with him moving forward and so on. Again, this is, in my opinion, just one of these judgment calls on his part, not doing part to himself. I think you're, you're right in what you said. His handlers, the people that are around right. him, and to me, you know, there's an old saying, everything rises and falls on leadership. He is the leader of everything going on right now in his world. And if he's got a problem where somebody's not doing the vetting like they should and asking Kanye West on the front side and whether or not you should even have lunch with Kanye is probably a whole other conversation. But even when you do, who's he bringing along and why? And somebody needs to be bucking up. And my fear with Donald Trump, and again, this is one of the things we can get into a little bit later, is 
My fear with him is he still surrounds himself with too many yes men, yes women, and I don't like that. He needs to be told up front what's going on, what to do, how to do it, and why. And my fear is he doesn't have that going on still yet because this proves it. All right. Uh, let's go around. Roger, let me bring you in on this. Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line, People's Republic of California. I do have to say that we we got to recognize, Roger, that Republicans do operate by a different standard than Democrats because Democrats don't have to worry about optics. Let's face it. The ultimate anti-Semite, Louis Farrakhan, uh, has been openly rubbed shoulders with in, in photos and such. And people like Barack Obama and, and other leading Democrats have gone and kissed the ring of Louis Farrakhan. And, and nobody has to worry about those kind of optics. But if you're a Republican, especially if you're Donald Trump, you have to have surgical precision with everybody that you meet with and are photographed with or whatever. And in that regard, I think that he just has to tighten up the filter more and make sure, to John's point, make sure his handlers know uh, we do have to pay attention to optics because we're conservative Republicans. We're not Democrats. Yeah, he needs to be listening more to Mike Huckabee and Mike Pence than the people that he's been listening to of late because those are the people who kept him in line. And when he was in office and when he first took office and, and was looking to try to energize the base and, and, and you know pay attention to things like this, uh, he, he made a few missteps, but he did several things absolutely right. Uh, quite frankly, when it comes to the media, I don't think he's made a good step since the, after the election in 2020 because he's made so many horrible gaffes. This one just looks, I mean, I... I don't think there's any malice intentionally behind it, but it's a huge mistake. I mean, for him to put himself in the presence of not only uh, the, the Hispanic white supremacist, Nick Fuentes, which is kind of an interesting story in and of itself, but then not uh, being completely tone deaf to what Kanye West has been going through and having him come to Mar-a-Lago anyway, basically is telling the American people, I don't want this anymore. And I know he he, he would never admit this, but... Let's face it, I've always had the sense that when Trump ran for office, it was a good publicity stunt. There were so many different candidates, he was going to get some free pub out of it. And then all of a sudden, well, maybe I'll win. And then he wins, and it's like, hey, this is great. And then you kind of get acclimated to the whole role, and you say, well, I'm going to keep doing this for four more years. And he kind of misses that spotlight. This could be, quite frankly, it could be a blessing in disguise for the Republican Party, I think, because it may be the straw that, you know, kind of breaks the camel's back in terms of, how many people were on the fence about Donald Trump. And I think, you know, we've all had our meeting here, you know, in agreement saying the GOP needs new leadership. Or if there's going to be a third party, it has to be something more than Andrew Wang and, uh, you know, whoever else is putting mm-hmm. that thing together. But the reality is this, what was it, uh, was it malicious? I don't think so. Was it horribly miscalculated? Absolutely. And uh, it remains to be seen what kind of uh, dividends it will not pay uh, for his re-election campaign in 2024. It doesn't seem to have the same enthusiasm that it did in 2016. Sure. Well, and and we're definitely going to be getting into a deeper discussion on should we be supporting Donald Trump or should we be saying, please go away? Uh, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. I'm going to talk with uh, Neil as well and get Neil's take on the, the Mar-a-Lago dinner. I, I do just want to say, and I guess this is one of the frustrating things for me about the way that Trump has been, in my honest opinion, unfairly treated. Okay. Was this reckless and careless? Yes. Should vetting have been done? Yes, absolutely. But, uh, 
everything that Donald Trump, anytime he paints outside the lines, anytime he does anything that's reckless or careless, it gets exaggerated and turned into something different to where he gets accused of of saying, if you have COVID, you should drink bleach, where he gets accused of saying neo-Nazis are very fine people. I mean, there's just accusations. And in this case, even Mike Pence himself was like, you know, Donald Trump should apologize for giving a seat, for inviting a white supremacist to join him for dinner. Okay, well, with all due respect to Mike Pence, that's not what Donald Trump did. You know, so that's that's some of the things that's kind of frustrating for me. And then I find myself, okay, well, I don't want to be an automatic Donald Trump apologist and defend him no matter what. I want to criticize him where criticism is due, but the criticism always ends up getting exaggerated to something beyond what it really was. You know, and then it's like, okay, can we bring the criticism back to what's act- accurate criticism and not the exaggerated criticism where we end up falling into the CNN, MSNBC trap? And so that's that to me is part of the balancing act of trying to figure out how to handle Trump going forward. But we're going to talk a little bit more about the Mar-a-Lago thing and then more about Trump in general. We're going to get Neil Boron's take in just a moment. I do want to remind everybody, though, when you listen to this podcast, all of us are very passionate about saving babies' lives. And we know that a lot of you in the audience are, too. You're pro-life. You want women to choose life when they're pregnant. Well, that's what pro-life pregnancy centers do. But it takes money to show ultrasound images of these babies to the moms. That's what causes them to choose life. And that's why we ask you to give to Preborn. Preborn for a long time has partnered with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America to show these ultrasound images of babies to moms. $28 stops one abortion. That's the average price. We're asking you for $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Would you give 280 right now? It's this simple. Go online to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. Crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn. And right there, you can give that $280, save 10 babies' lives. Hey, if you could do more than that, do more than that. If you could do double, save 20 babies' lives. If you can do $2,800, you can save 100 babies' lives. It's a nice tax write-off for you. And don't forget, every single dime goes to funding ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. This is preborn. So crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, or they answer the phones 24 hours a day. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. We appreciate you doing that. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Uh, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Your thoughts on the Mar-a-Lago dinner meeting itself and and there is part of me. I, I've mixed emotions about him even meeting with Kanye West. In the first, Kanye West was supposed to show up alone. All right, he should have. Uh, there's part of me that says, okay, Kanye West has been making some anti-Semitic statements that are getting worse and worse. He just recently said America's run by 300 Zionists, so that's problematic. But then there's also part of me that's like Donald Trump very much values loyalty. And if he has a friend of his who goes wayward, Donald Trump doesn't stop being his friend. He says, sure, I'll have dinner with you and give you business advice. So honestly, Neil, I I do have mixed emotions about this. There's part of me that says Donald Trump is being noble by saying, I'm not going to throw Kanye under the bus just because he's, he's gone wayward in areas. He's still my friend and my supporter. But then there's another part of me that says, no, if he's running for 2024, then you got to be smart about this. And being smart is you distance yourself from Kanye West, let alone any surprise friends he may bring along. Yeah, I'm, I've got 
I've got some pretty strong ideas about the whole thing. I, let me just say this. I appreciate all that you guys said. Um, I mean, it's assuming he still has Secret Service detail, which I believe ex-presidents have for like up to 10 years after leaving office. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't tell me that Fuentes wasn't vetted in some fashion. They have no idea who this guy is. I mean, for, for that matter, Neil Boron or Roger Marsh or John Rush or Bob Duco could have been on that invite list. It was just this guy shows up by accident. I don't believe that for a minute, that there was no understanding of who Fuentes is. And I know nothing really? about him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like that. This was just some innocent gaffe. All of a sudden, this guy shows up. Oops, what's he doing here? Um, on the on the Kanye thing, yeah, maybe Trump wanted to help his friend with some solid business advice. But quite frankly, I think Donald Trump does what Donald Trump wants to do and what's best for Donald Trump. So I think he really actually was pandering for continued support from Kanye West for whatever reason. I think Trump has an eye on the White House for you know, in the next election that he's hoping to run again. And he's looking for affirmation anywhere he possibly can get it. And if he sees Kanye West as an ally, then Kanye West is still on the invite list. Uh, I don't think it really matters. And I don't think Donald Trump thinks that far ahead. By the way, you know, the idea that that maybe his handlers messed up, that, that he should have really, you know, thought more clearly about what they were suggesting for him to do. One thing we know for sure is when he became president and he was all over Twitter and just every single day dropping bombshells and like, will you just knock off the Twitter thing? Part of this news story was that nobody, he doesn't listen to anybody. Nobody can get him to stop. Donald Trump is going to do what Donald Trump wants to do. So the idea that he's some kind of an innocent victim to others who maybe, you know, mishandled this whole thing and brought in this Fuentes guy. The optics are bad all the way around, and I think it just does tremendous amount of damage to his possible political future. But, you know, the Republican Party in general, because it's just, because obviously the secular media, the mainstream media equates anything Donald Trump with everything Republican or conservative or evangelical, you know, it's, it's all the same to them. So if Donald Trump brings in somebody who's considered to be a racist or a homophobe or whatever else, then we get slapped with that same label. And I think it just does a tremendous disservice to himself and to the party heading into the next elections. Okay. But which you really, though, think that uh, that Donald Trump knew this Fuentes guy was a Holocaust denier and a white supremacist and Trump still was like, hey, sure, that's fine. Come on. I mean, no matter what you think about Donald Trump, you really think he would be that dumb? Uh, No, not really. But I mean, the bottom line is like, I remember my mother telling me, Neil, choose your friends carefully because eventually you'll become what they are. We end up getting associated with the people that we associate with. And I think, you know, whether he's just absolutely blind, deaf and dumb on this one, and it was just all a big mistake. Okay, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But the bottom line is, why didn't he invite Ron DeSantis? Why didn't they sit down and figure out a way for the Republican Party to come together, for conservatives to come together, and begin moving forward in some positive direction? I think there's many people he could have had to dinner that night. Who's this John Fuentes guy? What's the, What role does he play in the future of America? And I think Donald Trump bears, not his handlers, Donald Trump bears responsibility for who he has dinner with. That's all I'm saying. It, okay. It's up to, up to him. Well, and ultimately, the buck certainly stops with him. It's his job to tell his handlers, uh, I want strong vetting. I'm not going to meet with anybody unless we know who they are. And so you make sure they're vetted. So, of course, it falls on him. But I'm just saying he's got to tighten up his mesh and have his handlers do stuff like that. So I uh, let me – John, let me toss it over to you for a second because I know when it comes to Donald Trump, of the four of us, uh, I'm probably – Still, I, I've probably got more 
of my body on the Trump train uh, than any of the three of you do. Okay, I'm not completely on the Trump train, but I I have more than just a pinky finger still on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess for me, I look at Trump and I say. Okay, he may not be right for 2024. I'm very open to that possibility, and and I'm more than willing to to say let's move on from Donald Trump. But I guess what's frustrating for me, John, is there is such a tendency for so many of us as Christians and conservatives, and those of us who voted for Donald Trump, to to only look for his negatives, to be hypercritical of his flaws and not give him due credit and appreciation for the things that he did do and the things he did accomplish. I mean, it seems to me anybody who had everything that he had and walked away from the world of Hollywood and Planned Parenthood and went across the street to the evangelical Christian community and said, I want to join you guys rough around the edges as I am. I want to be part of you, your your people, and I'm going to fight for you guys. And everything that he's taken and all the lies and the smears uh, he's a very flawed man. He's a flawed worldly man. I get it. But my goodness, it just seems like we hyper-focus on all of his mistakes and screw-ups and everything else and his flaws, and they get they get the overwhelming majority of our discussions of him, and we sweep under the rug all the positive things mm-hmm. that, that he's done there. And so uh, l- and let's do. let's do this because, John, I, I do want to get your take on that. But before we do, I, I want to get Roger on that in that real quick and then bring it around to you because I know you're sure. really you've got really sure. strong opinions about that, too. Uh, but, Roger, your your thoughts on on this and how we should contextualize Donald. I'm just saying if we move on from Donald Trump. That's fine, but I think we got to do it right with appreciation and say, you know something, we stand up and salute and applaud everything that you did for us. Uh, let's do that instead of just being, by the way, I got here's another problem I have with Donald Trump. I guess that's mm-hmm. what my frustration is here. Yeah, it, it is a frustration. And you know, in all honesty, the time we were talking about the uh, uh, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, right. uh, that never was going to happen on Donald Trump's watch. Remember? I mean, we heard all the pundits saying, Donald Trump's president, and now he's going to come after gay marriage and this, that, and the other thing. Well, now we have the exact opposite problem. I mean, and fortunately, I mean, fortunately, it didn't happen on Trump's watch, but now with the Respect for Marriage thing happening, you've you got to understand that this is this, it got real, as the kids would say, with regard mm-hmm. to religious liberty and marriage. And you know that we were, you're talking about how in your program today you're going to be talking about the 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 the, the piece of the, the the informational piece from uh, Alliance Defending Alliance Freedom. Alliance Defending Freedom, right? Yeah, I mean they are. This is the group ADF. I mean they're a sponsor with us here at the National Crawford Roundtable, the largest organization committed to protecting religious freedom. I mean it's a free speech organization, marriage and family. I mean this is right up their alley. Right. And when you consider, you know, if a case like this goes to the Supreme Court. You want to know that the organization that is defending you is actually going to have some success. Well, we know that ADF had success with the Jack Phillips Masterpiece Cake Shop case, but 14 victories at the Supreme Court since 2011, that's a tremendous track record. And I, I want to encourage our NCR listeners to take advantage of this opportunity right now to support Alliance Defending Freedom. You could give a gift of $100 or more right now, and because it's your first gift, they're brand new with us, they have a special matching gift set up. It's a half million dollars, $500,000 that's sitting there waiting for us literally to tap in 
on. You give a $100 gift, it becomes 200 You give a $200 gift, it becomes 400 You get the drill. And all of this money is going to fighting these cases for religious liberty. You, you know there's going to be a case involving respect for marriage and a challenge to a church that might wind up losing their tax-exempt status because they won't play the game along with the left. If you go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net right now, you can hit the ADF banner, Alliance Defending Freedom, and make a donation there. Or call 877-367-6461. You can donate over the phone, too. I I can't stress that enough because love him or hate him, Donald Trump did protect the sanctity of biblical marriage. You know, he did it. He's protected the sanctity of human life. And uh, that's something that whoever the next GOP leader who's going to, you know, t- take the mantle in 2024, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or whatever, I, I think conservatives want to know that they're going to they're going to take this on. I mean, that they- they'll definitely do it. I, I want to hear what John has to say about what we've been talking about too, because I know he's got some some powerful thoughts. But I just I, I wanted to jump in and and share this about our new partnership with ADF because we could talk about it all we want to here on NCR. But right. if there's not someone who's willing to actually be the advocate and go into court and fight these cases, um, then a lot of our talk is just hot air. So I'm yeah. grateful Alliance Defending Freedom is part of what we do. Well, you know, John, I guess, uh, and this is really what I want to throw out to you, because of all of us, I know you've been very vocal about it is time to move on from Trump. And I guess for me, it's it's the way that we do it. Because when I... And, when and I by look, the way, in my world, move on as him being our presidential candidate. I've never said move on from him completely. I think he has a really solid place in the Republican Party. And if he knew what that place was, I, I look at Donald Trump as Tim Tebow. Love Tim Tebow to death, but he sucked as a quarterback. He could have done so many more things in the NFL if he'd wanted to, but he wouldn't lower himself, if you would, enough to go play a different position other than quarterback. Same thing is happening right now with Donald Trump. All right. Well, now keep in mind, Tim Tebow, while he may have sucked as a quarterback, let's keep in mind what Trump did as a president. I mean, economically, he was a great I don't president. Think, I don't think no anybody doubt. can question the job that he no, no, did no. economically no and doubt. on social issues. Oh my goodness! Look, Roe v. Wade is overturned, and it was Trump that got let's call Agreed. it Roe v. got Roe v. Agreed. Wade overturned, and, and then he needs of course credit the, for those things. Yeah, he does need credit, and I guess there, there's this there's this tendency, John, for for uh, us as conservatives who tend to vote Republican, we look at somebody like Donald Trump and the default becomes, I have to find criticism of him because if I defend Donald Trump, I'm going to be perceived as being a wide-eyed cultist. And so it's like everything involving Donald Trump has to have the caveat of criticism. So it's like, boy, look at the great job Donald Trump did. No, I'm not saying he's perfect, okay? And, and he really messes up a lot. And sometimes he just drives me crazy. It's almost like we have to put that caveat out there. And, and at best, and at worst, it's like, let's just get amnesia to the phenomenal things that he did as president. Mm-hmm. And instead, let's focus on his flaws. And he's got flaws. I get them. And I'm not saying we ignore his flaws, but it seems like these days, of the discussion we have about Donald Trump is, here's why he drives me crazy. And it's like, wow, if you really look at the totality of his job as president, 90% of everything that he did is stuff we should be cheering, and we're not. And that's why I just, if we're going to say no to Trump in 2024, I think we owe him the respect and appreciation to do it the right way. Totally agree, Bob. And Again, I go back to what I said earlier where I feel like he's got a solid place for the party, 
providing he can do that. In other words, can he be the the fundraising arm? Can he be uh, the face of the party in that manner? Can he do a lot of things behind the scenes, even when it comes to candidates and things along those lines? He absolutely can, Bob, and should. I don't think we should throw Donald Trump out with the bathwater by any stretch of imagination. Now, can he and will he allow himself to be that individual running things behind the scenes? And can he run the party behind the scenes? He absolutely can if he will. That's the question, will he? Right, and and I have to admit, as much of a Trump supporter as I am, and I'm probably the most pro-Trump of the four of us right now as far as percentage ratio goes. None of us are anti, but I'm just saying, uh, my guess is he probably can't, John, because I, I, I have to be intellectually honest and acknowledge the ego factor. No, you're and right. I just, I just don't right. know that Donald Trump's pride would allow him to be a camouflaged kingmaker. Yep. I, I just, I question that. Yeah, instead but, of being king, and you said it right just now, and that's the words I should have used. Instead of being king, he should be kingmaker. And if he only right. realized how much more influence and effectiveness he would have in being king maker versus king there are so many things he could even be doing right now inside the party even even in regards to party yeah. leadership what's going on in certain states what are we doing to get certain people elected in certain even county races and so on i mean i don't think he understands the huge influence that he actually has and to your point bob will he allow himself to do those things you're right my fear is no he won't unfortunately all right let me uh we're just about the the episode here is just about over and so neil maybe real quick in in like 20 or 30 seconds your quick thoughts on what does donald trump do going forward do you think he would be willing to be a behind the scenes kingmaker absolutely not he will not donald trump is a narcissist and I would be in favor, Bob, of let's have a Donald Trump Appreciation Day on NCR here on the roundtable. And maybe conservatives across the country should thank him for his support. The bottom line is if Donald Trump is involved in politics in the future, it's going to be for his own benefit. And his association with other people is going to be so that he can get reelected if possible, if that was even possible. But the bottom line is I don't see him taking his time and effort to promote other people. It's not in his nature to do so. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, a lot to see what happens over the course of the next couple of years. We do want to thank everybody for listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And I just want to remind you as well, if you haven't yet given to preborn to save these babies' lives, please do it now. You Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, and you can give right there. We're asking you for $280, which is the average cost of stopping 10 abortions, saving 10 babies' lives through ultrasound images. Would you do that? CrawfordMediaGroup.net. You can also give them a call at 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So 833-850-BABY, just mention NCR when you call. And you know, let's all get some skin in the game in stopping these abortions and saving babies' lives through preborn. So uh, John Rush, Rush Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Roger Marsh, The Bottom Line, People's Republic of California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to next week. Thanks, Bob. Bob. Thanks, guys. You bet. Thanks a lot. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. 
Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to Save Babies Now. And by Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Your generous financial support makes it possible for Alliance Defending Freedom to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.